What is up, winners? Welcome back to another high-value chat on the podcast that feeds your mind, body, and soul absolutely everything you need to live the life of your dreams, whatever that looks like for you. My name is Jack William, founder of Anarchy Label and host of Before the Money. Now, when my guest in today's episode first came to Australia, he didn't know a word of English and since then has gone on to build a very well-respected name in Australia's art and fashion scene. He has performed on shows such as So You Think You Can Dance during his time as a professional break dancer and in 2013 stepped hard into the fashion scene, launching luxury streetwear brand and store Cabernet Noir. His work has been recognized around the globe in prominent fashion publications such as Sneaker Freaker and Hype Beast. And to say that his passion is infectious would be a gross understatement. I'm extremely excited to share this conversation with none other than Edward Maradona. There is so much value in today's episode regarding fashion and culture, but the wisdom shared from Edward's life has been invaluable in shaping the decisions that I've made in my own business since having this conversation with him. Some of the topics we chatted about include how to start a brand, defining your audience, personal brand versus business brand, why both are important, the background of fashion in hip hop and breakdancing, becoming a stockist for the very exclusive Hompus range from Comme des Garçons, communicating through fashion, how to structure a brand timeline, understanding trends and what to look for, inside stories of partnering with prominent sneaker brands like Nike and Yeezy, manifestation, spirituality, and so much more. Guys, I'm serious, this episode is packed. I had such a great time. And seeing the impact that this show has on the life and the mindset of our community gets me so ridiculously fired up. So if you enjoyed this show, if you took home a little piece of value, please leave behind five stars and share this to someone you love, you know, or or post it on your story. Whatever you can do really helps because seriously, the right piece of information at the right time can change somebody's life. So don't keep this secret all to yourself. If you want to take your support a step further, check out the awesome range at anarchylabel.com and take 15% off your entire order with the code BTM15. So without further ado, grab hold of your pens and I will see you in the episode. Awesome. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of Before the Money. I'm joined by Edward Maradona. How are you doing today, brother? I'm very well, Jack. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. You know, super stoked to be on. Um, yeah. and, and there's a lot of things that, we, you know, I want to talk about and with you and stuff like that as well. You know, just trying to like figure out what you're doing. And um, I guess we're on the on opposite side of the of the continent. Mm-hmm. And the West, Co- the West Coast is kind of a little bit more, we're inside of our own bubble in a way. Yeah, 100%. I've been looking at what's going on over in Perth, man, especially in like the fashion scene. Like there's some real talent bubbling up there, you know? It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, to be honest, like we, like maybe seven, eight years, 10 years ago, we used to look up, you know, Melbourne, Sydney. It's like, hey, man, like one day we're going to be, um, you know, reach that level. Mm-hmm. But because we're so far away and, and the internet kind of like connect everyone um in a sense that like look we, we don't need to look at what sydney melbourne doing now we can mm-hmm. see what new york is doing now we, we can see what paris doing now do you yeah. know what i mean like the world's becoming smaller with the internet um and because of that we we're progressing a lot more like a lot quicker mm-hmm. um and we're forming our own bubble you know like the birth bubble is like it's growing insanely mm-hmm. if there's nothing like nothing usually we just complain about oh man there's nothing in perth this is this but now all the kids here is like, man, there's nothing in Perth. Let's do it. Like, let's just yeah. make one. Um, and, and I love that. You know what I mean? Like, that really inspired me. Like, all these kids, like, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds doing events and promotions and stuff like that. I'm like, what? How did you, like, 15-year-olds mm-hmm. doing brand? I'm like, how did you figure that out? You're 15 and you already have your own brand? <laughs> 100%, it's insane. Um, and I love yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, seriously, I've been like watching what you guys have been doing at the store and all the brands that are associated to there. And I've even like considered moving over there, man. Like it seems like it's, especially in the fashion scene, it seems like it's popping off. So just, um, it's funny you saying that because, you know, what a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends based in, um, in Europe and New York and stuff like that in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. they're looking at what we're doing. Like, man, like we just want to live in Perth and we just want to like create <laughs> something. But they really want to like literally planning to move their whole agency to yeah. Perth, you know, and then we're like, dude, like this, like I said, uh, Perth is a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and there's a lot of like cool brands coming out of Perth. And we just kind of like, all right. And the good thing about Perth is like, we're so proud of our local brands. Mm-hmm. And there's like, we support local, like no other cities 
um, to us, right? Like Melbourne, Sydney, like there's so many bubbles there yeah. and there's so many like local brands, but there's no like collective support for one particular brand. And they just kind of like stick down bubble. Like, oh, right, we, just, we have this bubble. We have this bubble. We have this little cult brand. But in mm-hmm. Perth, like, oh man, you Perth? Like Perth, the whole city kind of goes behind, like behind it. And it's insane. Yeah. And I love 100%. that. You know, like big family. Yeah, exactly. I love that too. And like far too often, like the smaller businesses get overlooked by their own city because it's like, you know, your own city won't support you until the next one does, you know, basically. But it's great to hear that happening in Perth. And, and so, the mentality of like, the, I feel like the mentality in Australia is, to make it big in your own city or um, your own country, you have to make it big like overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I find with like a lot of brands, especially like, hey, to make it big here, um, I feel like your brand has to reach that global level first before the local people like support start like getting into it behind the brand. Um, like look at man. brands like P Nation and you know like IMG. Like I'm seeing all these brands like man going global because mm. it's like like Kim K wears it and stuff like that, you know, and it just kind of blew up. Um, yeah, but it's really interesting. Man. Yeah, sick. So, and, and you, you said you have a brand. Sorry, yeah. and you said you have a brand, right? Anarchy. Yeah, Anarchy you had label. For seven yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. sick, I man. Started that. Uh, started that in high school. It was originally like a marketing and graphic design agency, and then I kind of yeah. got the inkling. I was like, you know, I'm I'm sick of dealing with like at the time what however 16 or however old you are in grade 10 um i was like i'm yeah. sick of dealing with all these adults and things like that i want to start i want to create something that i can sell to people my age and so i just yeah. started putting my graphics on t-shirts and selling them at markets yeah. and doing all that kind of stuff but then i got i got the inkling to start manufacturing because i just wasn't happy with like the blanks that were available so once i once yeah. i got that bug i was just like fucking yeah let's do it and now i kind of um manufacture contract manufacturer for other brands and stuff like that Gold Coast Bay. So, so you were just... 16 when you started it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's seven years ago. So I guess you already can like, find manufacturers online and stuff, right? Like back then, I think it was already – I mean, I started in 2009 with my brand. It was like not online. We had to really like mm-hmm. – the website is like literally you can't just type in clothing manufacturer and pop like 100 of them pops up. Yeah. Um, but it's now still crazy it's for, for a 16-year-old. Super mm. simple. You got Alibaba. Mm. You go to these websites and like type in literally whatever you want, custom T-shirt. <laughs> That's what it kind yeah. of frustrates me when I when I get like you know kids like hey uh, where'd you get your stuff made like bro have you tried Google <laughs> have you tried looking it up online I was like how lazy can you Literally. be like man like they just they just want the easy way out right I'm like bro like it's easy you can look everything up like you can make a surfboard if you want to um, <laughs> yeah hundred percent googling it should always be like step number one because you'll probably find you won't have to have step number two you find the answers in the first Google yeah. And has the brand gone like in terms of in seven years? I mean, like, have you, you know, look at rebranding? Have you look into uh, the growth? Like, what was your next strategy? So at the moment, it, it's had huge ups and downs. And that, like looking back in, in retrospect, that's just been based off my own consistency. When my mm-hmm. like focus is fully on the brand, like we're, we're doing well, I'm making great connections and all that kind of stuff. Our creative vision is, is solid. And yeah. like then there's also periods where my attention is elsewhere or, you know, like obviously mm-hmm. being, being young, like I'm, I'm still go through these stages where maybe, you know, fashion yeah. isn't my thing or like, you know what I mean? So um, it's, we've, it's been a roller coaster ride, definitely. But, you know, coming back to it now, especially at the last year, uh, really kind of reignited that passion in, in the space, made some great connections. And like I was saying to you briefly before we start, um, started recording, I'm going through that stage now where uh, I'm wanting to take the brand in a new direction. Um, like I've got a jewelry collection that we're nearly going into manufacturing with at the moment. Um, and I'm just really trying to transition the brand style to suit my strengths like the the last couple of collections i was living in sydney so i kind of designed it for that city streetwear style now i'm living in like tropical gold coast and it just feels like more natural to kind of maybe transition the the brand it's style a different to, demographics there as well a lot of different lifestyle um but also yeah, like you yeah. know you're reaching that seven year mark where normally as a business you need to rebrand every five seven years but now because it's so quick fashion's so quick i almost have to rebrand every three years um, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to evolve the collection almost nowadays. So like you have to evolve the collection every season, like mm-hmm. first season will be like this. And then the same season, you have to completely change the look and third season you have to, it's just so fast right now. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like with, man, we get, I get a lot of kids ask, Hey, do you start a brand? Like you can, you know how to start a brand. It's, it's easy to start a brand nowadays. It's hard to maintain a brand and it's hard to grow the brand, um, mm-hmm. without any proper strategies implemented. 
Um, so this is something like, you know, we always talk, even for us, it's like, man, we've been seven, eight years now um, and only just seeing that that massive, like, little spike and hype behind the brand. Um, mm-hmm. That's just over grinding, just kind of creating that brand awareness, um, you know, building that emotional attachment to the brand rather than just, like, producing and printing. And it's it's a, it's a patient game. It's a marathon, yeah. you know, like, like and, and people who got into the, the fashion business, the thing's going to be quick. You know, they, they all think they're going to be the next Virgil Abloh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't see, like, the hard work Virgil was working before, you know, before he became Virgil, before yeah, he exactly. became Off-White and, and Louis Vuitton. Um, so this is that, but they don't see the hard work. They just see the top of the iceberg and then see the bottom of the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like but, yeah, any business model, yeah. It's like any business. Um, yeah. It, it just, out in our business, it's a lot, um, it's a lot more cutthroat because there's so many competitions. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't have any niche or the right demographics, um, yeah, there's, yeah, it's going to be hard to maintain the brand. Um, you know, for us, it's like, we always look at like, you know, like you were targeting the demographic of like that cool kids, but not really that cool kids, but it's more like mm-hmm. that interesting fashion people. But then that's only make up like three, five percent of the, the population, really, like mm-hmm. the demographics that we're targeting, the fashion demographic. And then you've got brands that are like more in activewear, streetwear, they play around in the bottom of the pyramid. But this is where the volume is. They, that's why you mm-hmm. see brands like, say, like Gymshark is billion dollar worth because their market is like here. They're not trying yeah. to be like the cool, you know, like they, the market is on point and everything. But, um, and yeah. then you've got other brands just super niche, you know, like super fashion. And they're only playing that top bit. 100%. I guess, where do you want to, like, where, how do you get, yeah, go on. Yeah. So I was just about to, I think, answer the question you're about to ask me. So basically, um, where I see myself kind of, I'm a little bit torn and I'm glad we're having this conversation because at the moment, I will feel like, my interests personally are really, really heavily into personal development, kind of consciousness, all that kind of stuff. And I want to try and utilize some of that, I suppose, ideology in the brand. But then like what you were just saying then about the pyramid, it's like there's very few people that are that way inclined. And then let alone people that are also fashion orientated, that are also into like the kind of consciousness and universe energy and all that kind of stuff. So I'm undecided whether I want to keep my brand kind of a little bit broader or whether I want to niche down because like my heart's telling me to niche down you know yeah well for me it's like I love that sort of stuff you know I'm a big Mm -hmm. believer like law of attraction and all that stuff in in business especially like in my life that's where I implement but I keep that separate to like the business um Mm -hmm. you know to to the brand like that's my personal brand I love that sort of like consciousness and all that stuff and law of attraction vibration like I love doing personal development stuff that's for Mm -hmm. me like my goal uh, my side goal as a as a human being, I want to inspire people like Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, wow. you know, yeah. like Zig Ziglar and all that stuff. That I want to be able to like really, because um, I've, I've through the years I've kind of like like picked up all these tools that I never used to have before. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, that's just Julie in the back. Um, <laughs> but I want to be able to like you know help people using the tools that I learned. But the mm-hmm. brand itself is just a completely different different thing that I'm building. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. the brand itself. I keep it separate um, because fashion, it's for me, just like, yeah, it, it makes people feel good because they're wearing cool stuff. And like, I want to, I'm just being um, selfish in a way. So I want to wear cool stuff that I make, you know, and like, and mm-hmm. I want people to enjoy it too. Um, but then whether it's going to touch people the same way as my personal development side of brand, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I guess like for, for you, like if you want to combine it, you can, like you can, you can have that inspiring mm-hmm. things on on your personal development stuff through fashion for example you want to inspire people through your clothing you can too it's like yeah that's a niche there that itself is a it's a super niche that i don't i don't see a lot of brands doing mm-hmm. um but whether it translates to business who knows right because at dinner you got to make a business if you bring mm-hmm. too niche there's like i look at a restaurant if, if the restaurant the chef is being like too complicated too um too creative with his dishes no one's gonna eat it um, because they're like, what is this dish? You know, like the, if you look at every fine dining restaurant, they always have two or three um, courses that are familiar. You know, you get the chick, the duck breast, the, the steak, and mm. whatever the pasta, right? So, and um, that's how I look at the business as well. Like even with the um, with the brand, um, but yeah, like you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like you know, what 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 you doing with the all that sort of sort of stuff? Like personal, mm-hmm. what, what how niche do you want? Who's your demographic? So basically like my first my first touch into joining that kind of ideology with the brand is 
it, with this podcast, basically. So this uh, before the money is like a funnel into the brand. You know, um, mm. I don't plan on getting outside sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. This is like a a, a hectic passion project project for me to meet and converse with people like yourself and have these kind of conversations and really allow my kind of, I suppose, beliefs and ideologies to be heard by the brand where typically, you know, they might just see, they'll just see like the photo shoots and they see our designs and all that kind of stuff. They don't really get to understand like the kind of thought process that goes in into the clothing that we make. So this podcast is my first kind of attempt and it's being extremely well received. But what I'm finding is it's almost carving out its own business structure separate to the brand. So that's what's kind yeah. of got me on the fence a little bit of whether maybe I want to keep keep the brand like and let it build its own ideology and then maybe me express my kind of, um, I suppose, to the general population, my weirdness in, in the podcast, yeah. you know, and keep them kind of the yeah. separate brands. But yeah, so basically, I, I just I love I love breath work. You know, I've I always yeah. loved kind of reading, and I'm a fucking knowledge addict. You know, I get right around that shit, yeah. and I see you guys, you're doing like your cold swims and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, so cool, man. You know, so I get and, right and that's around the thing what you I love, man. Yeah, yeah, like with the community based mm-hmm. things, you know, I love doing. You know, I'll, um, you know, I love like just seeing like that community base and, and these, these communities like cold nips, for example, in Perth, the, mm-hmm. the boys just kind of like doing it for just kind of bridging and they're encouraging people. Like, so basically we just rock up to the beach at five o'clock and they're doing breath work, like yoga. Mm-hmm. And then at five forty-five, everyone just run into the water. And then, yeah. and then after that we get coffee and we, we they kind of like encourage us to, Hey, you have to meet new people. We have to say hi to the, some randoms, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. And that's amazing, man. Like we don't get that sort of community a lot. A lot of a lot of times, just kind of like very, um, a lot of um, communities quite standoffish. Like they're very mm-hmm. cultish in a way. And while well, these guys are like, no, we're open. Like everyone's welcome to come. And and that's dope, man. Um, yeah. And I, that's why I love getting behind um, the boys. You know, just kind of like, you know, giving them a lot of love. Um, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, like, yeah. I, but that's the thing, man. Like you know, if you have a purpose, say with your podcast, um, you know, my biggest goal is not just to make money, but it's just like how, how valuable can you be as a person to the community and to the world, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, and the money's going to come regardless. Like, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're valuable enough, if you bring in changing people's lives, like Steve Jobs with the iPhone, your money is going to come anyways. But if mm-hmm. you're just doing it for like, you know, a lot of people are just chasing the money, but they're not really chasing, like what, how valuable are you as a person, as a business? Um, it doesn't make sense to me. Like when they're like just chasing for them, I just want to make $10 million. Like, well, what are you gonna? Yeah. What do you bring to the table? You can't just have ten million dollars. Um, exactly. You know, but if you're just yeah. focusing on, say, for us, it's like that's how we see the brand. We just like our brand. We just want to like deliver. Uh, you know, it sounds cheesy, but like we actually trying to deliver good quality stuff that without being too overpriced, so people can afford mm-hmm. it and appreciate it. Um, but also just like you know, just like what you're doing, uh, we're trying to inspire the the youth um, through our work. That's why I'm using mm-hmm. my social media. To kind of like, hey, look, you, everyone can, anyone can do this without any fashion background. I don't have a fashion mm-hmm. background. Um, I just kind of like jump into the the deep end, you know, just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna like try it. If it doesn't work, yeah. I'm still young. I can just try other stuff. If that doesn't work, I can still try other stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, what I mean, it's just yeah. opportunities endless. Well, I was like, you know, we were kind of like, I guess, indoctrinated by our parents and decided, hey, look, you got to decide what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know. It's, when you're 18 right? and like dude 18 you're still a kid i'm still playing i was still playing video games at 18 how the, how the hell do you did i know what what to do um i still kind of like like what do i want to do when i grow up even now you know what i mean I'm still <laughs> thinking, what do i want to do when i grow up you know like i want to do other stuff you know we're venturing out that's why we're venturing out to cafe we're opening cafe yeah. um you know now nft just pop up hey we want to be a part of that world to um diversify to the yeah. metaverse mm-hmm. so nft is kind of like what we're working on at the moment but it's still a blank canvas. Like, what we can, what else can we do? So we're making our own um, vodka brand. You know, we, like Cabernet mm-hmm. vodka. We're working on that. So it's just, it's endless. You know, if you look at Da Vinci, Leonardo Da Vinci, he's not just an artist. He's yeah. an inventor. You know, he's just a philosopher. He's like everything. And then you look at his inventions. Like, holy fuck! How the, how the hell did he do all that on top of his like painting and stuff like that? It's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so is. as a creative, like you know. Do you want to do various other things? You just want to create. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like the 
trials of a of a creative and I, I definitely went through this um hence why i kind of was saying I, my focus waned from the brand at some stages because it's like as a creative like i'm just rubbernecking all the time it's like oh i want to do that oh i want to do that oh that's so exciting mm-hmm. i love doing such and such you know so it's but it's really just that discipline to try and focus in and build a foundation in something to begin with so that you have the resources and the capabilities to then go expand out into like other areas basically that's really interesting so i also want to ask you um what kind of role do do you think fashion plays in society because the reason why i'm so heavily involved in fashion the reason what really ignited me about it is the fact that like you can literally change somebody's day you can change their mood based on like how much effort you put into a particular clothing piece you know, so I want to kind of know what kind of what kind of role does fashion play in society, in your opinion? Well, for me, it started off as you know, like trying to stand out, like you know, coming um, coming to Australia, like you know, I, I, I was a you know um, first gen immigrant, really, you know, like knowing no English, nothing, you know, that was like already we're on a we're already like at a, a disadvantage there. I'm like, all right, cool, we need something to prove here. Um, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of bullying and all that. And then it's like, that's when we kind of like, all right, cool. Then we got to step it up. And then, you know, like, and, and I noticed like the kids usually get bullied. They, they have a way of, to express, um, through their fashion, right? Whether it's, you're in a goth community or an emo community, whatever you call it, the punk community. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like those at the time they were kind of like the minority of that sort of, we're not in the jocks, cool, cool group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like, so I got to relate a little bit with, with, those sort of um, subcultures, right? But then when I started dancing into the break, like b-boying or, you know, most people call break dancing, um, that's when it really changed the whole, that's when I really got into fashion, but I didn't know I was in fashion. But we just remember like my mentor, she used to go, yo, Eddie, like when you go to a jam or competition, we got to like rock fresh, you know, your hat has to match your shoes or whatever, has to match, has to look dope. So when you rock to the club, they'll be like, oh shit, who's that? Like they, you just look fly, you just look fresh. And that's how I got into fashion, just how I kind of learned, right? We have to stand out. We have to peacock whenever we go, right? Mm-hmm. So that was like my first um, introduction to it. And then that's when I realized, man, like fashion play a lot of, a big part in this culture, especially in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why like a lot of hip hop artists, the fashion is like huge, you know, Kanye's um, heavily into that. But he, Kanye was kind of like influenced by the generation of the B-boys back then, you know, like, the 70s b-boys 80 b-boys they kind of like really inspired you know the run dmcs the ll cool j's and they inspired kanye west you know um so all these generations that came from like sort of the 60s 70s b-boys they used to dress up um and that's how kind of like learned the history of like man like fashion there's a lot of power behind it do you know what i mean it's like when you're wearing go shit like into the club they go oh that's somebody you know, back in the days, in the hip hop days, in the seventies, like the pimps and the gangsters were wearing the cool shit. You know, they're wearing the big bling, the cane, and like the mm-hmm. fur coat. And and now the the celebrities wearing that sort of cool shit, right? So you, it just makes you feel so good. And this is why I don't understand like why guys here don't peacock. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, male peacocks have the, the big feathers. Female peacocks don't have the mm-hmm. big feathers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So us as male, we we should be peacocking more. I don't get it. Um, but again, there was like an era where if I wear something different, if I wear like nail polish back at high school, I get picked on, I get bullied, mm-hmm. people call you names, you know, all these bullshit names. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, nowadays, like, but back then you feel like you have to conform by what the kids are saying, right? Just yeah. like a lot. And it's hard to break away from that. Um, but nowadays it's like, man, there's so much power. I'm looking at these kids. Like I look at, um, you know, um, leaders like Jaden Smith and stuff, he's wearing a skirt and stuff. He doesn't get fucked. Like he's just trying to change the culture. And I, I love that nowadays. We're we're in a good we're in a good um phase now. Whilst before we're just so much harder to break through through fashion. But it's such a powerful tool, man. Like it just it's not just a, an expression. It's a movement. Um you know you can use that as a political movement. You, you look at Vivian Westwood was looking at it as a movement. Um, and and you know it's a statement you know I mean, even Kanye using it as a statement, so it's it's just more powerful than it's very very powerful. People just underestimate that. It's a lot of people who don't get it. They just see it. Oh man, it's just a very vain thing. It's all about like you trying to like impress people. Like they're just seeing the surface level, but they don't see the deeper level of how, how powerful fashion can be. 
Yeah. No, and it's been so pivotal in my life, you know, it's like when I, when I'm kind of dressed up and I, I go out and like, you, you see people looking and stuff like that. It's just like, call it vain, call it whatever it is. You just, you feel good, you know, like you put effort into the way you present yourself to the world mm. and the world kind of looks back at you brightly. It's, it's the yeah. way it works. Fashion is the problem always is been key. We, we yeah. get caught, caught up in the capitalism of it where we like, <laughs> it feels good, but then I want to, I want to keep buying new shit. So we look fresh every week. And then yeah. you spent so much money and then you get caught up. And before you know, man, your wardrobe's full. <laughs> That's why you start a brand, I'm guilty man. of that. That's why you start a brand exactly. so you can dress yourself. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's why we're, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's why I told the crew. It's like, man, like, I want to I wear fur jackets. I want to wear fur coats. Like, instead of mm-hmm. spending money on someone else's um, brand, why don't you create your own fur coat and, like, all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's exactly right. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why we started a brand. Yeah, definitely. So from like what I'm hearing you say, there's, there's probably lots of overlaps in like similarities between dance and, and fashion. What's your kind of viewpoint on that? Man, like I said, you know, like, because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big historian of, of hip hop, you know, where it came from yeah. and, and stuff like that, you know, like, and I go deep into like the 50s, the 60s of, of hip hop, the beginning of hip hop and, mm-hmm. and why, and, and, you know, Back then, hip hop, like clothing and outfit, has a lot of um, context behind it. For example, in the 90s, um, the B boys used to roll up their left leg, right, mm-hmm. in, of their pants. And it was a statement thing. If they put roll up your left leg, you're a B boy. They're like, oh shit, that's B boy. But it also, there was a whole history why they roll up their sleeves. Because in, in New York, when they're riding bike with the baggy jeans, it used to get caught up in the chain. Mm-hmm. So on the left leg, they would just roll one leg up, um, stuff like that. And then, you know, like, for example, in, in the 70s um, and the 80s, they used to wear trousers with like permanent, um, permanent crease on the, on the, on the legs. Mm-hmm. So the kids used to like stitch up the permanent crease so they, their pants look, always look brand new um, because you can see that crease line. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that I really love. In, in, and um, there's a lot of things that has history. Like, so back then when we used to see people wearing a certain thing, we go, oh, um, uh, that guy knows what he's doing because he laces his shoes a certain way. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, that guy knows what he's doing because he wears his hat. Like, for example, if I'm wearing my hat, like if I see another guy wearing a hat like this, I'll wear it like a bit higher. So I'm like, you know, I wear it like this. If I mm-hmm. see someone else wearing it like that, I'll probably like tilt it like, like this. So that was like a hip hop thing, right? Mm-hmm. So they always want to have like a little edge um, on, on how do they dress. Um, if you look at, if you uh, hear what Run DMC was saying, the reason why they're wearing the Adidas shell toes without laces, because it's to pay tribute and homage to the people in the in the jail where they can't have laces in their um on their shoes because then a lot of people would like tend to hang themselves up and use yeah. that for you know as a contraband kind of thing. So like learning all these things like with context that give us that for me is a really really interesting. But now the context is lost. It's just all about style. So yeah. I'm seeing like every like when I go to Fashion Week, I see all these kids, young kids, they're dressing like like b-boys. I'm like, dude, like, do you know the history behind it? Why it's like why are you wearing a hat like that? Why are you wearing your pants like that? Well, you know, there's so many like um, history behind every little thing. Why are you wearing a Kangol bucket hat? Or, you know, these came. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of history. If you look at like Amelion Door, a great brand, they just, um, I just saw like LBMH just bought into it. Mm-hmm. But the guy knows what he's doing, right? Because um, the whole style is based on a 70s, 80s hip hop. And then I see the campaign, they're using a particular song. So when I see that campaign, I go, all right. The creative director behind it knows exactly what he's doing. He knows mm-hmm. the context, the hip hop history behind it. While a lot of kids nowadays just like they, um, they're releasing things without any context. Um, you know, for me, like I don't understand much about the skate culture, but I can relate to a lot of the skaters and stuff like that. And I can tell why they're wearing pants certain way, why wearing the shoes certain way. Um, do you know, I mean, all these things kind of like have a context and there's a communic- mm-hmm. way communicating, right? So you can tell like, all right, that guy's a skater, that guy's a surfer, that guy is a punk um punk rock in a punk rock you know scene so but now i just like the style has been lost and everyone's kind of just emulating what's popular at the moment mm. um so nowadays i can't even tell who's in what crew and what subculture because it's so mixed yeah that's the thing you know they see like a celebrity or an influencer wearing a certain kind of style and all of a sudden you know that's popping off for a while without knowing like the the history behind it which is you know great it's still kind of paying homage to the to the history in in a certain sense like it's great to see these styles live on uh but at the same time as well hearing you articulate your knowledge and of of the history of things make 
just gives it so much more value, you know. Do, do you remember when ASAP Rocky was like, "Man, I don't care. I'm wearing like a a, a rock and roll band um, t-shirt, but I don't even mm-hmm. listen to it." Yeah, and because of that, now all the kids just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then everyone started wearing Megadeth t-shirt and like yeah. all Metallica t-shirts, you know. And that was like a that's the start of the um uh that sort of um mm. rock and roll band mm. t-shirt. Uh, like how many people wear <laughs> Harley tees and wouldn't have a clue how to ride a bike? You know, not a clue. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's it just funny. It just becomes more like an aesthetic uh, fashion statement thing yeah. rather than like, hey, I represent something. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like back then when we were like Metallica t-shirt, I'm a big Metallica fan or mm-hmm. um, whatever. Exactly. And so well, one thing as well, like you've just signed Com de Garçon into your store. Congratulations. Thank you. So the whole history was we were the, one of the first stores um, to bring in like Comme de Garçon, the, the play line. So we've been having a massive, uh, uh, we've got a good relationship with Comme de Garçon. But I just remember that was one, one time when I went to Paris, I saw Ray Kawakubo from Comme de Garçon. And oh my God, that's the goddess of fashion. You know, Ray <laughs> Kawakubo is in, in Paris. I just want to meet her. So I said, hi, whatever. And, like, and I just remember her going to the, so there's like in, in the Comedy Gaston showroom, there's like many, Comedy Gaston has about 18 lines mm-hmm. um, and we're playing, placing orders from the play showroom, but then it's also a shirt showroom, black line. Um, and then the main room was the En Plus and that's where Ray Kawakubo was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. one day I want to, I want to be where the big dogs are playing, the big dogs mm-hmm. are placing orders, which is um, in the En Plus section. So it took us about seven, eight years to kind of finally um, feel ready to, to buy on plus um but yeah so i'm we're super mm-hmm. stoked about about that whole um the fact that we got it so when you say it took you seven years to feel ready what do you think's different now do you think um so we were in a like back then we we're in, in a smaller store in a laneway and the, at the time the laneway was super cool super edgy but we weren't ready to be um because common gas on plus is very expensive you know, they're like, a shirt would be like $1,000 and stuff like that. Um, and we didn't have the demographic for it, um, the customer base. But now we're in this new location because we moved a couple of years ago right behind mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton. Um, Gucci's moving in next door. You know, Chanel's next door. Tiffany's behind us. So, like, now we feel a bit more ready to expand our designer, luxury designer brands. Mm-hmm. And Omplut's always been our number one target to get. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. So, when you first opened up the store, were you running the brand like the Cabernet Noir brand beforehand, or did that start up at the same time as the store? No, I mean that started like the Cabernet Noir brand started off as like a little hobby beforehand. Mm-hmm. We were just like, hey, you want to make a? Um, I think our first design was like CN, but with the you know the Cartoon Network logo. Yeah, we just got Cabernet Noir, <laughs> but it's like CN with the Cartoon Network logo on it. Um, that went off like crazy and we had cab and we put a yellow taxi cab um, reference to it and just sold real quick. But it was just like as, as a hobby. And then I just remember um, a couple of my friends from like a while ago, they have their own brand called Banks. And then they're just like, hey, Eddie, like I want to help you like run your brand. Like, I can help you grow with the thing because we have design and stuff. We can help you out. I'm like, oh, sick because I don't have time to kind of design because we used to design all ourselves. I used to design all mm-hmm. ourselves. And then do vector drawing and all that. But as I get busy, I just kind of like don't have time to to design and everything produce myself. So I'm like, you know what? If you can help me out, um, it will save me a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so and yes, yeah, so we've been working collectively together. And now we form a team and we have like a design studio. Um, so yeah, like you know, we work together really well. Where I, I give them like a blueprint of how to um, structure the brand. <laughs> um, where yeah. we go, all right, cool. It's from you know, to kind of like give them like a, a timeline of how to how to to run the brand properly. So, for example, we need to design, we need to design by this time, and then after we need to do sampling, and after we've done sampling, we need to do the editorial and assets. Once we have the assets, then we can start the selling period. Once we have the selling period, then we have to produce it, and then mm-hmm. and then we have we send it to the source. So these are kind of like things that you have to consider before you get into the market. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we officially started going full full blast with the brand with the new team probably about two years ago um but last year we just first signed with our agency based in london um and they're just to to help us distribute the brand mm-hmm. 
um, you know, because we want to strategize uh, putting the brand into different locations, different stores, um, how we see fitting. But yeah, it's yeah. still a lot of room for improvement. Um, and the big thing for us was like the other day, our, our agency was like, hey, by the way, Jay-Z just bought Cab Noir stuff. I'm like, what? That's huge. That <laughs> Which is sick. insane for us. We're like, the crew yeah. was like, fuck yeah, Jay-Z just bought it. Oh, we, can, we could have given him free stuff. But the fact yeah. that he bought it was even better. Yeah. Which is a lot of growth. It's, it's for, for us, it's still um, a massive learning curve. You know, like there's a lot of adjustments we have to do in terms of like logistics, um, finance, uh, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. And like this, I think, feel like this flows on to kind of what you've just answered there. So like, I see you guys, you got like Sylvester and all that kind of stuff working yeah. with you guys. So how mm-hmm. how do you kind of help help support those guys in your business as well because obviously you give them your inside knowledge of timelining for brands and stuff like that so yeah. how do you guys work synergistically with having so many different brands working under the same roof um we're just working basically on the cab noir stuff and banks so we only have two yeah. brands really under okay. our umbrella um but then again we can you know it helps like because we have two different directions with the brands like banks mm-hmm. doing like they have their own um target customers and Kavanaugh we have our own target customer so it's pretty easy to do mm-hmm. um but you know it gives me a lot of freedom to kind of like you know give like because i'm like for me it's like i'm i'm pretty good at like you know uh, predicting the next uh the next trend i guess like i can see it from miles away all right this is going to be big next season um, and that's the sort of thing that I bring to the crew and um, the design team. I, I think I believe next, you know, next season this is going to be hot. So let's work around this theme and this collection based on this. Um, and then the creative designers will be like, "Holy crap! All right, cool. This is the sandbox. Now we're going to make what we can from that sandbox." Mm-hmm. Um, so my role is kind of like give them that sandbox and give them that. Yeah. All right, cool. This is the. But make sure you you work around this. But then go yeah. as creative as you can be. Yeah. And is that just like intuitive for you or is there certain sectors that you look at? Like, is there certain icons that are pretty powerful in determining trends? Like, Not really. Maybe just based on, yeah, there's a lot of things like how the culture is moving, how yeah. the music scene is changing. And I'm seeing like, what's the influence now? What's the, who's the biggest influencer now? Like, what, what are they feeling? Um, you're looking at the key characters in the world right now. So what's happening in the world? Um, you know, just trying to like, at the end of the day, you want to wear stuff that, like, for example, why do you go shopping? What what grabs your attention as a as a consumer? Um, for me, I love that. For example, next season, we're building this collection based on nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Do you know I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of things that are kind of coming back. Um, you know, you see these retro video games coming back and you see a lot of tributes coming back. So there's like a nostalgic thing from the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. Even like disco is so big right now. Um, yeah. You know, people like, Kids are like Everyone's getting 21, on 22 year olds get onto yeah. I'm like, yeah. like they weren't even yeah. born in the 70s, but yeah. everyone's listening to music and like this guy's cool. I'm like, you know what? Disco wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a death to death to disco back in the 70s. Like they were like, man, like they hated disco era, but now mm-hmm. in 2020s, like fuck, disco's back. Um, so I feel like there's a whole nostalgia thing, but it's again, I, I look at you know because I'm pretty much, um, I look at the scene, I look at the culture, I look at the lifestyle. And based on that, I'll be like, all right, cool. I think this is going to be cool for this collection. So it just, yeah. it just kind of like being in trend. Like I've, I've said it before in my, one of my videos, like you want to be in trend. You don't want to be too far ahead of the trend because once you're too far ahead of the trend, no one's going to buy it. No one can like be able mm-hmm. to like relate to it if you're too far ahead. Yeah. That was a, a problem that I had when I first manufactured. Um, my first collection basically so i was looking at what was happening in like europe specifically uk and stuff like that and i was like yeah i'll I'll design stuff like that i'll be i'll be early and then i dropped it and no one here in australia was vibing that style you know but then say like a a year and a half two years later that's when it started selling but i had to sit on stock for like two years yeah man i remember like when i started when we started the brand all race 2009 that was my first brand and pocket tees was like the biggest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and everyone's doing pocket tees. I'm like, holy shit. But then we were doing pocket tees like years before everyone's doing like, man, I think pocket tees is going to be good. And then like, again, my in- intuition was really like kicking at the time. Man, pocket is going to be big. And then we released it. Again, like you said, didn't, mm-hmm. didn't sell out. 
And then Pocketeats finally caught on and we were released the same thing that we've been having in stock for a while. I'm like, boom, sold out straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's crazy. That's why like now we're, we're kind of like, all right, cool. Let's, let's, whatever's hype at the moment, um, let's just sit on it. So yeah. I mean like, you know, with the, we were doing a collaboration with Rusty, for example, and like that bright green is really in at the moment. Um, so I think we, oh, it was in last season. So we've got two more seasons to like squeeze the fuck out of that bright green color. Yeah. Um, which we're doing now. We're like, all right, cool. This is like, this is perfect timing because that green is still so relevant at the moment. Mm-hmm. But again, it being in trend rather than being in, in front too far ahead of the trend. And I, and I see it in like big businesses, big corporations like LBMH, um, you know, like Louis Vuitton's doing anything that's relevant now rather than like they're not doing anything progressive. Mm-hmm. They're just doing what's cool right now. Um, yeah. That's what I noticed. How do you think the metaverse is going to like affect our style like in the real world because obviously everyone's becoming so kind of hyper futuristic in in the way that they're um, Mm. viewing art and all that kind of stuff do you think that'll carry over into to the real world and how we present ourselves it's an interesting one because i don't think we're gonna go into the metaverse be immersed in the metaverse just yet because the technology is not here like you know what um, mark zuckerberg saying they want to incorporate the Oculus and stuff like that, like the um, contact lenses and the glasses. But how many people want to put contact lenses and glasses to experience AR and VR? Mm-hmm. Um, so the technology is not there yet. But it, right now, what people are saying with the metaverse is they, you know, just using us for like an art gallery thing, um, art collection thing, but also in a music sense where, or if you're an artist um, or a musician, um, you can use that to kind of get an additional um, royalty. Um, income, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's still such a baby face. Like, I, I, like we're brainstorming with some different companies at the moment, like what we can do in fashion. Um, but no one could give a clear answer because it's such a blank canvas at the moment. If, say, for yeah. example, you're in the same era as when internet first came out, no one knew you can sell, um, you know, products online because mm-hmm. that wasn't accessible at the time. They just know as people, are oh, we just making blog and writing stuff and jump in and post it online. Mm. Um, and I think that's what the, the NFTs and, and the cryptos and stuff uh, are at at the moment. So we don't have any clear direction where it's going yet. Yeah, exactly. And same as like if you were like one of the first online that were actually doing commerce back then, you made a, a lot of money like in proportion to, mm. to the amount of people that were on there back at that time. But yeah. now like, yeah, it's going to be a little while before we can plug into the metaverse like in an effective way that the average person is going to want to do that. But with um, mm-hmm. with Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink, I see when that kind of rolls out, that's going to make the connection to the metaverse like seamless. You know, it's going to reach a point where there's the real world and the metaverse and the metaverse are almost indistinguishable yeah. from each other. You know. Yeah, but how far away is that, right? Because yeah, um, that's even like a lot of the people working for Elon was like, ah, I don't want to put stuff in my head, you know, like, yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be decades at least before yeah. we see it in, um, we see everyone, well, not everyone, but we see a lot of people start implementing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see, man, like, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I want to be a part of this movement rather than like being too late to jump mm-hmm. on board. Um, and the problem is because so hype, everyone's getting on, on that train at the moment. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a red flag to me, like, man, like people putting a lot of money on NFTs, uh, yeah. bro, what happened when NF, like, you know, these art NFT that you just bought, is not going to be worth anything in mm-hmm. five years because oversaturation and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're holding it in like, as if like, it's a, it's a one and only, but then I like, do, there's so many projects coming up mm. on NFTs and cryptos. Like these going to be so, a lot of oversaturations. Yeah, that's the thing is that so like um I've been investing in NFTs and stuff like that for like the last or oh, eight months or so. And one of the projects I invested in the last couple of months, the founder like disappeared. So that particular project value just went from yeah. you know, I thought I was making awesome gains and then overnight it disappeared because the trust factor was lost. You know? Yeah. And that's all this market is built upon. It's just like mm like the hype of of the the investors basically the price is determined by the people buying it same as like the whole yep. cryptocurrency market basically you know so it's interesting to see where it goes but it's it's early days and we it's still bound to have some kind of like correction the technology is exciting only, you know yeah. yeah but the thing is like i feel like we're just the sheep here like if i want to invest in the nft in crypto i want to be actually working 
in Silicon Valley where I'm mm-hmm. like hanging around with these people to know what they're doing, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like in the inner circle who's dictating all these movements. Well, we're just like the sheep just fine. Oh, man, they're buying, all right, we're following. But then like they don't yeah. know the truth. Like, for example, everyone's, oh, man, jump on Sandbox because um, Snoop Dogg's is having the biggest, you know, um, real estate there. Yeah, but do you think Snoop Dogg's paying that? No way. They got Snoop Dogg to create that real estate. So guys like you buy into <laughs> it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're taking your money and Snoop Dogg's getting a cut from it. So, mm-hmm. and Snoop Dogg's, it, it's in that sort of inner circle. He's not sheeps like us. They're making mm-hmm. money on sheeps like us to invest. Um, yeah. That's why I'm like, yeah, I'm, like I'm not rushing into it yet until yeah, exactly. there's an exact like thing that I'm I know what I'm doing. Yeah, well that that's that's awesome, man. So uh, another question I have for you basically is like, has there been any particular kind of failure in in the last you know eight or so years that is at the time may have been like really painful, but has actually in retrospect led you on to to a success or open up an opportunity for you? Oh, man. It's- for sure. I mean, there was like, I can talk about it now because I don't care anymore, but <laughs> yeah. we used to do, um, back when we used to do a lot of sneakers and sneakers were like my thing back then, you know, like mm-hmm. my goal was trying to have Nike account, big Adidas account, stuff like that. And, and at one stage we had all these big accounts, like the Nike Jordans, the, the hottest release, the hottest Yeezy releases and stuff like that. But I became too dictated by these big companies like, all right, in order for you, for example, at a school, like in order for you to 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 stock Yeezys, to sell Yeezys, you need to buy all this other junk. And I'm like, oh, and I was buying into it because I was making profit on the Yeezys. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Nike. In order for you to get joined, you need to buy this much to get this. And then for you know, it's like it, the the junk that we didn't want was costing us a lot of money. Um, just to make what to make ten grand profit, we lost like fifty grand. So it, it wasn't viable as a business, and we just went back and forth with these big major sneak company and I'm like, oh man, come on guys, like you need to help us out. You know, it needs to be a collaboration rather than like um you're dictating what, what for us what, how to work our business. Um but yeah, so that was painful. Like, you know, that was like leaving like a bit of taste on my mouth really mm-hmm. because like I love, you know, having these brands on board. And um but because of that, that actually opened up a lot of doors. When we stopped becoming a sneaker store, then now becoming more of a fashion store. Because of that, it allows us to get me and comedy guys on on plus Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting all these other brands that that I look up to, um, and, and you know, now I don't, I don't even want to be a sneaker store anymore. Like, because we've evolved in a way that you know we're, you know, established brand, and and now we're focusing on our own brand, and that's gonna be um my next big thing. It's like, why am I mm-hmm. selling Adidas like Yeezys and and um, Jordans and stuff when essentially I would love to like make my own sneakers. Um, do you know what I mean? That's more of a freedom that. Like I would enjoy more than looking up to like stocking all these brands. So that was the growth. That was the painful thing, letting go of a lot of these big brands. Even letting go of Off-White. We were the first store in Australia to bring Off-White in. And um, and we were the first store to actually discontinue working with Off-White. Um, so these are these are lessons that I learned. And even like um, just the financial of the store, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just buying a lot of stock because I was like so excited. Oh, I bring every brand, every cool brand into the store, but I didn't really... Mm-hmm look at it as like I didn't really study, you know, um, how, how well the brand's doing. So I was just getting all these brands because some cool brands in, in Europe and, and US, they don't necessarily sell in Australia. We have a different demographics here. We have a different lifestyle here. So the Perth in WA in Perth, we don't wear like what the people are wearing in, in Europe. So all these um, technical stuff, all these contemporary fashion stuff that we used to bring in, they just sit there and then just never just move. They just we end up having to discount them. So these are the things that I learned through over the years um and now like with the growth of our brand we noticed like holy fuck like cabin Noir now taking over all our top brands that we're beating mm-hmm. stone island Comble Garçon, all the the best brands and we're like holy shit why am i investing in other brands when we can yeah. invest in our own brand and people want to wear our own brand now they come to the stores like hey where's the cabin Noir stuff they don't look for stone island anymore. they look for our stuff mm-hmm. so this is where we go all right we switch the business model now so we have to evolve yeah. like i said now every three five years or five seven years and now it's like every three, five years. But for us now, every year we have to evolve because fashion mm-hmm. is so quick. It evolves so quick. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I suppose your brand's going well because you got the finger on the pulse, you know, like you're you're in the heart of the culture. You understand what's going on, you know, and the people can really like, one thing that I've learned as well about fashion is like people don't buy necessarily the look, they buy into the meaning behind the look. Like that goes back to yeah, everything you were saying in the, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, and you have to be transparent, you know, like mm-hmm. 
back then like you want to be like a lot of the founders and the brand owners they want to be behind the brand but now like everyone wants to know who's in front of the brand mm-hmm. look at how well Virgil's doing right Virgil's such a marketing genius um and it, to me he's not a designer but he's like man he's a creative marketing genius like mm-hmm. you know the yeah he's doing some cool stuff with his fashion and he knows what he's doing but you know he's not a kim jones it's not you know it's not Alexander McQueen. It's not like a fashion designer, but man, the stuff that he's doing in terms of, and people go behind, like behind him. Like same with Kanye. If Kanye released his label, it goes nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like for us, it's like we being transparent. I want people to know, like, all right, we're behind the brand. You know, Sil's doing a design. I've got Othman's doing detailing. I've got Amira doing. So everyone, all the characters in our crew, we everyone knows what they what we're doing because I want like people to kind of know what like who's working like if i if i'm going to a restaurant i want to know who's cooking my food mm-hmm. now, nowadays yeah. rather yeah. than like you know like so these are like the transparency i think it's part of the new era that we're in as well people want to support the brand like you said they want to support behind, who's behind it yeah um rather than just like what the brand you know what the label is i'm seeing that trend in all business though you know like people especially i feel mm. i feel like covid has a, has had a um a big effect on this like people want to support the people, you know, and people want to put that. I think it, it's already going. happening before COVID. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think it was just already there, you know, like, mm-hmm. like right now, um, you know, the reason like people just following, say, for example, Kim Jones now moving around, you know, he's no longer with, um, you know, with Louis, right. And we mm-hmm. just like, when he left Louis, it's like, man, like, all right. So now we're following, um, wherever he's at, you know, he's following Dior because he's at Dior now. Mm-hmm. So, they're following him as as a designer. They're following him as a person, as an individual. Um, same with Eddie Saman. Like I'll follow him. Like man, he moved to Celine doing menswear. Holy fuck, Eddie Saman. He made a difference in YSL. You know, he's Saint Laurent. Now he's with Celine doing menswear. Holy fuck, I want to know what he's doing now. I want to mm-hmm. see um, how creative he gets with this um, new line. Do you know what I mean? So, but it was already happening before COVID. I feel like and. And I think now COVID just kind of like makes people just stay at home more and just kind of like learn more about the brand. Because on yeah. the phone, oh, cool. They see all these articles, high beefs, high some bodies posted. Ah, now I know who's behind the brand. I'm intrigued what mm. it's doing. Now follow them on the social media. And on social media, they're exposing everything they're doing. And then in part, will play a big role in their brand. And the same with how we're doing it. Like whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm not trying to keep it a secret of what we're doing. Like, dude, check this out. This is coming up in six months. And they go, oh, people yeah. go crazy. Holy shit, it's coming up. Check this is how we do this thing. Check it out. This is the process how you do it. Um, it it's, yeah, everything's becoming so transparent now. And I think you need to be transparent to um, get your brand. Um, so it, we, used, we have a saying, like me and my one of my best friends used to say, man, we're not trying to sell products here. We're trying to sell emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest yeah. key thing, right? When, the, when you have that emotional attachment to a product or to a brand, um, they don't mind spending money on it. Um, but it's a it's a great saying like you know we're not trying to sell products we're trying to sell emotions and that goes back to what we were talking about the first half of this episode you know how you feel when you're when you're wearing certain clothes you know when you're identifying mm-hmm. in these communities it's like how you feel and that's like what clothing is about you know, and that's why it's so closely related to music and all these other um, emotional uh, things is because it's like it is it's an expression of yourself you know it's your own identity basically so do you think like a lot of um do you think like luxury brands have any effect on the trends or do you think they just kind of ride the wave just like everyone else man to be honest they're not even in the forefront of anything um yeah. to me they're just riding the waves mm-hmm. um do you know what i mean it's a business it's a money making yeah they'll do some crazy stuff or on the runway and stuff but so they would so they would do like you know, for example, big brands like Louis Vuitton and their runway, the couture side, um, yeah, they'll do interesting stuff. But then what's making money is the ready-to-wear stuff, you know, the stuff mm-hmm. that is actually in trend. Um, but they're creating the, the runway stuff just to get interest as marketing. So that's the marketing expenses. Yeah. But the stuff that they're making money on is the ready-to-wear, the basic, like the T-shirts, the hoodies, the crew necks, um, all the streetwear stuff. That's what I noticed. Yeah, definitely. And what color um, does best in your store? What what color garments? Black. Black Black all day. (laughs) I feel like in Perth, we just wear black. This is like, man, the Perth colorway, we just joke about like we have a crew of boys that always wear black. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love it. You know, like that's why it goes with our brand too, Cabernet Noir, Black Room. Um, We love black. 
Yeah, no, I've I've noticed that as well, and like I've I've ex- expanded into like col- different colorways and stuff like that. And yeah, they do all right, but like if you want to sell something out, do it in black. <laughs> yeah, you do you do thirty percent of your fun stuff, your color choices, your yeah. fun color of the season and stuff, but then seventy percent of it will be like black. Guaranteed. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Now um, we're moving towards kind of like the the hour mark, and I really appreciate your time, bro. I've, I've had a fucking match. Not easy, you. man. It's been, it's been fantastic. Fun. Yeah. So what kind of advice do you think you'd give back to your 18-year-old self? Oh, man. What was I doing, 18-year-old? I wish like, you know what it is? I wish I had a mentor when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that was like to give me guidance because nowadays there's so many informations out there. You can find mentors online. Um, you know, like I said, all these, these guys that like, that I look up to on, I, I just watch them on YouTube every, every day as like a motivational thing. Um, you know, the Gary V's, the Grant Cardone's, the Tom, Tony Robbins, the Zig Ziglar's, the Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn's a big mentor to me. Um, and these people, I don't even know. Just like, I just watch them on, on YouTube. But if I had someone in real life to kind of like, all right, Eddie, what do you want to do? I'm like, all right, I want to achieve this. Like, how are you going to do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. And then, uh, all right, let me guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, like I wouldn't waste my 10 years figuring out what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not feel like just, just give like, yeah, I wish I had a mentor back then. And, and for me, just like, don't be afraid. Just some, um, don't be afraid to make mistakes because mistakes lead you to where you want to be. Um, a lot of people are too scared of failure and stuff. And for me, I failed so many times and I feel like I've lived like five different lives, you know, where I was, I was a dancer, I was a full-time yeah. dancer and I was doing film video and I had a degree in film video, I was doing a lot of that for studying. Um, but all these things that I experienced kind of like helped me to be who I am now. So yeah, I would say just don't even worry about it. Get a mentor, just don't be afraid to try a lot of things, try mm-hmm. different things. Um, what about you? What would you say? That is a good question. I feel like I would just say, you know, um, just I feel like use the current situation you're in as a strength. You know, uh, I feel like mm-hmm. early on in my business career, I want to, I was like putting up this, I suppose you, there's no other word for it, but charade. Basically I was putting up the charade that I was, you know, so much further ahead than I actually was. And that, uh, that shut me off from a lot of the opportunities mm-hmm. that I could yeah. have taken by just saying, Hey, this is the position that I'm in currently you know, this is what it is, you know, get on board kind of thing where rather than having to try to be so much bigger than what I really was, you know? Yeah, but that's fine, man. You know, like for me, I'm a big believer of law of attraction, right? Like, you know, I have like an internal ego and, um, you know, probably just as big as Kanye, you know, when (laughs) I used to say things out loud and like with my, with my best friends and stuff, I'm comfortable to say, man, I want to do this. And it's like, like, Mm. they'll be like, fuck, you got big dreams. I'm like, bro, you if need you have to. big dreams, then you just, you have yeah. to, man. Like, you know, yeah. um, a lot of people are too scared. I'm like, I'm too scared of, you know, like with Law of Attraction, there's the funny saying. It's like, man, if, if there's a genie came to your life and asked you three questions, like uh, three, what, what are your three wishes? Um, I said that to my friends and most of them couldn't even say, you couldn't mm-hmm. tell me one. I'm like, bro, you know what you want? You can tell me you can get a card, your dream car, your dream house or your dream girlfriend. You can even tell me one on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're like, they're, they're so shook with that question. Oh, fuck, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know I can, mm-hmm. I can ask, you know, anything. And, yeah. and that's a great thing with, with the law of attraction with the universe. And you can ask whatever you want and you can just manifest it if you believe it. If you believe you're going to manifest it. And that's, that's how I manifested most of the things that I've manifested. You know, things that I've achieved, including the store, mm-hmm. including the brand, including my circle of friends, the lifestyle that I want. Um, you know, all these things just like through just envisioning it and, and putting it out there and, and designing it um, yeah. visually. Um, you know, like, you know, I, I visualize everything. Like, I, I can tell you how my dream house is going to look, the inside mm-hmm. and out, what, you know, what materials I'm going to use for the floor, the, the ceiling. I know exactly what car. I can tell you exactly what car that I want. You know, I can tell you my dream partner, what a, what she look look like. You know, like, I can tell you all these things. Um, and yeah, it just it's just funny. It's so easy to manifest when you know how to do it. Yeah, and it's insane now. Like especially, I'm seeing the that movement. There's like a, a 
global awakening for lack of another ex- expression and that's all because like manifestation it it's scientifically proven if you're that kind of person you need logic it's scientifically proven you know when you're imagining something it's saved in your memory brain as a memory your brain doesn't distinguish that from something that's already happened mm-hmm. and as soon as that's in your brain you know your reticular activating system goes hang on i want more of this you know then all of a sudden you're looking around oh okay, that's a nice car. Yeah, I can see myself in one of those one day. Oh, that's a really nice car, uh, a house. I can see myself in that one day. And then it's just a compounding effect, you know? As soon as you mm. open up your realm of possibility, then that's when like every you start to dream bigger and you start to hang around people that are dreaming bigger and you start to take bigger action because you're the kind of person that could make those kind of actions successful, you know? It's just this compounding effect that, and you look back a, a year later or five years later and you're like, fuck, how on earth did I have that mentality before? Look, the world is my oyster. Everything's possible. You know? Manifestation, man. It's so so overlooked. Man, it's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, a magical voodoo thing. It's like I can't even just like I can't even explain mm-hmm. it fully, but I just believe like, hey, look, you're vibrating and you're attracting what you're vibrating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at my friends saying, look, you know, the best way of, of um explaining, hey, look, it's like a radio station, right? If you're if I'm vibrating at this frequency. Um, and then you're trying to switch to my vibration. You miss by 0.01. Mm-hmm. I'm on 101.7, and you're point, 101.8. You're not going to be able mm-hmm. to listen to me all. And that's the same thing with yeah. manifesting, right? If I'm vibrating 101.7, and that's like the vibration of the dream car, and then you know that's when the universe, all right, you're aligning with that. That's how I'm going to manifest it. And that's exactly how, like, you know, this. I have like a list, and this crazy list. When I was younger. Now looking back, I'm like, man, like these lists that I've accomplished was huge mm-hmm. back then to to my younger mm-hmm. self. Do you know what I mean? I, like, for example, I wanted to be on Sneak Freaker because that was my favorite magazine of all time. And then we got featured on it. Oh shit! I just ticked that. I thought it, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. I want to be on TV. I'm like, oh shit! I'll tick that through so you think and dance. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm like, oh shit! I want to be high beast on high beast. Oh man! I, like, I tick everything that I wanted. I want to shop. It's like, boom! Tick that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so possible, man. I don't. I don't know why people are not implementing enough, you know, and and and, and it's such a powerful thing. They just don't believe, they don't have that self belief, and mm-hmm. it's kind of sad because it's such a waste, such a waste of yeah. genie. You know what I mean? Like that's what I've been saying. You man, you're just wasting that genie. Now he's gone. Yeah. That three wish is gone because you can tell me what what you wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic, bro. I'm I'm so glad we got to end on that note because it's so so powerful, and I want everyone who's listening to really take this entire episode on board. Because you know you've done incredible things. You know you've you're, you've done them through your own hard work and through your own ambition, which I I admire. You know I I really look up to you as a creator, as a leader. Uh, I think you're doing fantastic things. So I appreciate you sharing your time with me, man. Like this means a lot. All good, man. Anytime. I'm glad to be on, and um, yeah, humble to be on. Thanks, man. Thank is you. there is there anything that um, my audience can do to help support you and help help drive your mission along? I don't just like check out what we're doing, you know, like with Kevin Noir, we're doing, um, there's big projects that we're doing, uh, this year, next year. I can't say yet, but it's, it's got to do with the Australian fashion scene and we want to globalize that. Um, and I want you to see kind of like the journey we're taking on board, um, especially with, with our brand as well. Mm-hmm. But I just want to share like, you know, just be kind to everyone. You know what I mean? Like right now we're in this, in this world where everyone's just being mean and being so segregated and everyone has their belief, anti-vax, this, anti-this, mm-hmm. COVID this. I'm like, bro, like, just be kind, just be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to be an expert at anything. Just, just like absorb um, knowledge and just, like I said, you know, be kind. Um, and I think it goes a long way. Fantastic, brother. Thank you so much again. This has been Before the Money with Jack William and Edward Maradona. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, your night, whatever time you're listening to this. Take these messages on board because this is coming from a, a really heartfelt place and we're doing this for you guys. So appreciate it and enjoy yourself. Peace. Thanks for hanging out, team. My intentions with today's chat was to leave you with a jolt of inspiration and to remind you that you already have everything you need to build the life of your dreams. Knowledge is only powerful when we implement what we have learned in the real world. So go take some action on what you have learned today, expand your comfort zone, and make a difference to your life and the life of those around you. All the links discussed, as well as how to find me, will be listed in the show notes below. If you are feeling compelled to support our mission here at Before the Money because you got some value from today's episode, there are three simple things you can do right now 
now to make the world of difference. Number one, leave behind a five-star review so that all newcomers know that we bring the goods. Number two, share this episode to your story or send it to a loved one. We love interacting with you guys on social media. It really does warm our heart when we see you guys sharing it amongst yourselves. Number three, there is a link for you to donate a few dollars below help us really level this shit up. We're taking Before the Money so seriously in 2022 and we have some incredible guests lined up for you, just full of wisdom and value. So as always, Before the Money is proudly brought to you by anarchylabel.com. The discount code that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast will be listed down below, so go check their stuff out. The team and I are ridiculously grateful you've chosen to spend this time with us and we can't wait to see you guys all back again next week, bouncing with energy, ready to take on the world. Let's go.